Episode 7 of Lights in the Sky podcast, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And welcome to the podcast <laughs> from Tony. <laughs> and Luke. Yes. Um, thanks for joining us. Me? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, people who are listening. Yeah. Uh, apparently we do get some listeners. I was looking at some stats and there's um, way more than I thought. <laughs> so <laughs> it's less about just well, It's way more than you thought, but way less than probably a lot. Oh, yeah. Still. Yeah, it's no. Good. It's more than you, me, and that other um, couple of people who tend to tweet us. So that's kind of cool. Um, as How's your week been? Good short week, yep. Easter break, uh, uh-huh. four day week. Yeah, we're recording this on a Good Friday morning. Yeah, not a Good Friday, the yeah. Good Friday. Are we, are we charging time and a half for our podcast? <laughs> yeah, like it's a t- it's like those holidays day surcharges. They have like fifteen percent surcharge on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know how many countries do that. I don't know. I would have thought that you could work out fifteen percent per public holiday across an entire year That's of finances. That's kind of what I would have thought that. too. Just have your prices fixed right across. But yeah. I think it's just um, it's it's like what airlines did with fuel surcharge. It's like oh, fuel's going up. Mm-hmm. extra surcharge yeah. and it just never went away <laughs> yeah that's right it's like we've always paid for fuel <laughs> like in the past were you not paying for fuel <laughs> when there's no fuel on board oh it's gone up in the price it's more expensive so we're charging more mm-hmm. but yeah seems it, fair it'll never go away again mm-hmm. mm. I'm surprised like um, fuel's probably one of the only things that the price or one of the few things that the price fluctuates up and down quite often you know prices go up and then they just stay there yeah, yeah. Fuel tends to go down again occasionally, and but some of the, the dynamic market forces that change it are a bit are a bit loopy too. So mm. it's just effectively a bunch of people who decide how much they want to make, and if they decide actually we're not going to make as much anymore, <laughs> yeah. then then yeah, yep. <laughs> then it goes up. And they're like, actually, what's more in the market? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the OPEC podcast discussing uh, OPEC <laughs> nations and the fluctuating price of uh, crude oil. You got it. I'm just going to run the ticker here and see what our um, what the price is for today. Oh, expensive. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So, Lucky I filled up yesterday. Yeah, I got 10 cents off. <laughs> That's a deal. Yeah. Actually, I, I cashed in all of mine and got an $80 tank of gas for 55 Nice. Yeah, nice. Um, irrelevant, though, largely. <laughs> yeah, largely, unless we do want to turn this into the, uh, the OPEC podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, anything paranormal happened to you in, since the last recording? Nothing in the slightest, unfortunately. Okay. It's been a very boringly par- unparanormal week. All right. I just thought I'd better check. Um, in that case, then, I can throw a hypothetical at you. Do it. We yep. might as well start off with... Um, Cover me in your it. hypothetical goodness. <laughs> um, so some people might think I'm Googling these, but I'm not. These, these take me... I sometimes have to take time off work to figure out a good... I understand the process was that you and the lady friend... Uh, yeah, my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, call her what you, what you wish. <laughs> uh, we have for the, the two previous, but this, this one is... here was all me late last night when I realised I didn't have one. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you're effectively doing a, uh, a solo. Yep. Alright. Um, let me throw this at you then. So the hypothetical is you find out that you are actually a robot who has been alive or operational cause, so not necessarily alive, has been operational for one year and all of the memories you have are programmed into you. Okay. Initial reactions? Um, am I a robot like like the Terminator where I've got like I'm a fleshy on the outside. I'm, early, I'm an early Terminator version. Fleshy on the outside, but I've got the <laughs> Okay, so this next bit then, um, we'll explain that. Because you're a robot, you no longer need food to sustain you, nor do you need to bother with breathing in order to keep you alive that's kind of where I got to on what sort of a robot 
okay. where, where we land on robot rules. Okay. It's okay. like time travel rules, right? You have to go by either Terminator rules or Back to the Future rules. Does it... Like you can go there, but you can't come back. <laughs> yeah. Or you can go backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. So swing, Swings one way or swings both ways. So the type of robot you are is you are programmed to think you are human um, and you have memories programmed into you. You've been operational for a year. You don't need to breathe. You don't need to eat. You can to just you could just carry on living your life as you are, and know that the stuff you're eating is not necessarily sustaining you, but it's a kind of ritualistic thing. But does that mean I could human. pig out, and I'm not going to get fat? <laughs> That's a good question. One I hadn't considered. Oh God, I'd love to just eat like delicious food. It's going to be terrible for me, but oh my God. Yeah, that's. Yeah, let's say that's a rule as well. Oh God. <laughs> okay, keep your pants on. Um, <laughs> Okay, so what would you? So, okay, so your option is to carry on as you are, and know that that's the most human way of living, and kind of validate your existence by still feeling and acting human, or you can completely change it up. Would you do anything different? Um, I'd eat a lot more. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, things. So, explain to me things like. If I've got these memories programmed into me, so I guess my relationship with you, mm -hmm. platonic. <laughs> a lot of people don't know our background. So, um, uh, what would you say our origin story is? Uh, I would say um, probably history class. Yep. Sixth form. Fifth form. Fifth form. Fifth form. Sorry. Yeah, which is about fifteen years old. You yeah. are at that point. And yeah, I transferred from another school, stole your seat. The rest is history. Was that was that English? You stole my seat. I can't remember. Uh, I think I'm it think, was. I'm thinking that there was was there an initial piece. Oh my god, I can't remember our, our, our backstory as well. Anymore. <laughs> I guess the memory's been programmed. Yeah, me, so maybe there's I? a glitch in your matrix squeaky chair. Is it? Um, I think was it the first year you kind of moved in, and then was it the second year we kind of became friends? Yeah, that's probably yeah. more like it. The first year we were kind of acquaintances. Yeah. And the second year was when I think you started that with that was sixth form history. Yep. Yeah. And that was 16 years old. Yep. So the first year I um, started in the cool group. And, that's right. Yeah. And wanted nothing to do with them by the end of it. So moved into the medium group. Yeah. The in betweeners. The real nice. life in betweeners. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah so. That part, I guess, is a programmed memory. And, and, and how do you know this? Have you just been playing along? Has someone asked you and other people in my life, like my parents, other friends, are they just playing along? Yeah, I guess um, what it would be is, um, yeah, as far as everyone else knows, there's that suspension of disbelief. and it's, Or have they had uh, memories implanted in themselves? It must so. be, right? Yeah. Let's say no one knows you're a robot. Everyone remembers what they did with you, but you're the only one that right. knows and, you are a robot. And as part of this complex system, <laughs> the people around me have somehow had memories inserted into their minds. Let's go with that. Based on that. That's, that's probably the easiest. No one treats you any differently anyway. Yep. No. Yep. How do I find out? Um, you just do. Do I do like a made in China sitting on my foot? I'm like, hold on a second. What's that about? <laughs> You'd have to change your last name. Yeah. <laughs> Something Chinese. Yeah. I could like, be um, Tony Wong. Yeah. Like uh, Bender on Futurama is yeah. Mexican. Bender bending Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So do, would you change anything or would you say... I, I think I would I'd come out to a few people. As a robot. As a robot. Yeah. And see what the reaction was like. Mm -hmm. And then I'd do that thing from um, Terminator when he cuts down his arm and shows the yep. the metal bit working. Mm -hmm. Would I feel pain? No. No. So I no. could do that. Then it'd be like... you got moving parts. Yeah. Because of that, I guess you'd have, like, no discernible, like, lifespan. You, no. You'd I... just, you just keep going until your parts fail. Yeah. So knowing that you don't need to eat or breathe and you've got all the time in the world as long as your parts don't fail I don't think um, I, don't, I don't know if I tell anybody <laughs> I'd probably just keep on going with it so you'd go and do your 9 to am, 5 am I going to age? Uh, yep 
on the outside yeah. yeah so again like Terminator you would look like your age yeah okay like how they explain why Arnold Schwarzenegger looks older in the movies yeah yeah, yeah that sort of stuff yeah and the latest one because yeah. <laughs> yeah robots don't age do they well apparently they do and it also works in this, this mm-hmm. universe too but I guess um, you would look like you age but your inner workings wouldn't so That'd in be... effect you're kind of not going to expire at 85 or 90 or whatever you just look older <laughs> can I switch myself off and say actually I've had enough I want to just power down and that's it oh yeah yep what, would you do that I guess if, if I'm going to look if I'm going to if I, I guess if I get to a certain point where I'm like okay all the people around me are gone mm. I'll turn my power off yeah <laughs> flick the switch yeah uh-huh. yeah that's possible so well, you're saying that you would go to work, like do your normal everyday existence, go and buy your buy your dinner, eat your dinner. I just, just I think I'd eat more junk food. You got to think of it as a, as a at a higher level though. Like you essentially don't need to breathe and don't need to eat. Therefore, you don't need necessarily money to eat. Therefore, you don't need money. I'm not Therefore, you money. don't need a job. Therefore, but, but I have to pay for this house. <laughs> That's assuming you want to live in this house. I like this house. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I thought we'd go, if I'm honest. Really? I mean, you can, you've can. you got all the time in the world and don't need to breathe or eat. You could literally walk to anywhere on Earth under the water and be fine. Yeah, but it'd be very lonely. Yeah. I don't think I think that's the thing. Like, I don't think... Like, I mean, I could do all these things, but if I walk up the top of Mount Everest, I'm like, okay... Walk back down again. Walk down again. <laughs> well, I had to walk to like Australia or the states under the sea or something like that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't feel like a. Um, you you don't think that you'd just go off the rails thinking, well, what's the point? I didn't even live here before anyway. All of these relationships are fake anyway. Yeah. Um... Maybe this is maybe this whole exercise is just proving you're not a robot. <laughs> you can't separate yourself from the human emotion. I think I think that's a true. There's a, it's, it's true that I, I've got these memories, and I think it would be. But if if I'm a robot and I realise I'm a robot, then I'm like, well, everything's fake anyway. My the memories are fake. I'm mm. not a real person. Mm. Um, but I kind of like the existence that it's been weaved for me. Oh. Um, so yeah, okay, maybe I would do a few more things that I know I'd get in trouble for if I wasn't going to be a. Uh, you can still go to prison. Don't break out of prison. Okay. The only thing you I can consider, still... the only thing I would consider doing hmm. superhero. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. very good. Because I'm a robot. I yeah. What do I care? But you still have all of the shortcomings of a robot. So if you break a leg, it still needs to be fixed. You can't just carry on, and you can break things. You don't have super anything apart from. But I'm a robot. Apart from super, but no if I, need if I, to again, but I'm again I'm comparing myself to term, to a Terminator. <laughs> okay, we've that, made that leap. That has that has happened. Like you know, that's a pretty robust looking robot. Mm-hmm. I guess I have no way. I mean, I'm saying I'm like a Terminator, but I have <laughs> no, right. I have no. I mean, I don't know about how, how fallible I am as a robot. Well, that's right. Like, I mean, have you ever broken a bone? Yes. When? Uh, when I was 11. What did you break? My left arm. So the force that broke your left arm... I crashed off my bike. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is the force that did that, that same amount of force could do it again. So you're not invincible. You're not like... But that never happened, though. I never broke my left arm because it was a memory that was implanted in me. No, I'm, I'm using that as an analogy for that's how much force... But I would say take. bone... But, but bones are more brittle than, 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 say, my metal arm is. You just assumed you're metal. Will I rust if I'm in the rain? Like no, because you've got your waterproof skin suit on the outside. Yeah, what if I, what if I cut myself? Do I bleed? You don't bleed. I don't bleed? No. Well, then the cut is like a hole. It's like my protective coating, and I start rusting. Like, my fingers... Like, I was having a squeaky, rusty finger. Okay, you do bleed. <laughs> it could be, like, hydraulic fluid, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd just carry on? I don't think you would. Yeah. I think you'd go mental and... Like, why wouldn't you join the space program? But how? Like, I know there's all these things, like, I could join the space, but how? It's you got still, time. Upskill. It's still me, though. Yeah, but upskill. What do you mean, upskill? Just whatever holes you needed, whatever loopholes you needed to jump through to get onto a... So I turn up to NASA and I'm like, hi, I'm here to join. 
and they say, "Here's where you start." And I'm like, "Ah, right. Um, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm the master of upskill." <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got time. But I still don't have the money. For what? To live. I still have to live my life. So I still have to have a job. Unless I steal the money, but then I can go to jail. But then I can break out of jail. Well, okay. You could have a job that. Um, what do you need money for? Tuition. <laughs> Tuition, yeah. Is that it? Well, again, how do I pay my mortgage without money? Without, without money? Well, you don't need a house. Well, but I don't want to live outside. Why not? You don't need a. You don't need. I mean, you could still survive. You know that. But I'd, I want. To, I think I'd want to maintain my regular. Like I don't think I'd want to. You know, let everyone know that I was a robot. Well, then everyone would wonder why you're spending years and years trying to get into the space. Program. I don't want to get in the space program. <laughs> Why not? Why do I want to go to space? <laughs> you I'm don't want to go to space, even though you knew if you got there, you wouldn't need any breathing apparatus. But what am I going to do up there? Look. <laughs> thing is like that, it's the like, same reason anyone goes on holiday, to see different things. Yeah, exactly. You get there, you've done it, and you come back. Yeah, so have no, you no, done that? No, the reason I go on holiday is I like going on planes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when I went to Fiji for a day, like, <laughs> I liked going on the plane. I got there, I'm like, I don't really like it here. I want to go back home. Mm-hmm. I turned around and came back. Maybe you are a robot. Definitely something weird. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I think that's we've exhausted that. I think so. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's hard work. Maybe I shouldn't come up with these the night before. It just ends in an argument. <laughs> come to blows on the podcast for the first time. Yeah. All right, so I'll jump. And don't into... fight me. I'm a robot. <laughs> well, no, but you. Oh. You still are just as move on. As moving on. No, I disagree with that. I think I think that is crap. I am I'm a robot and I'm strong. <laughs> and I can be a superhero if I want to. I am a robot and I'm strong. Yeah, I say that to myself in the mirror every morning. Get that printed on a t-shirt. Okay. Um, you'd still your bones would break just as much as move a human on. Bone. Move on. I don't think they would. That is so wrong. Why not? Terminator. His yeah. bones don't break. Yeah, but have you seen Futurama? Made of different stuff, right? Still a but robot. Ben is still stronger than a human. Yeah, but a robot doesn't have to be metal. It just has to be robotic. There's like plastic ones, 3D printed. So you're saying I'm a plastic robot? I'm saying you're a robot with bone density, or. What do you even call it? Chassis density <laughs> of bone. You, what, are, what are you made of? Is as brittle as human Okay, bone. now you've clarified that. I understand now. I was thinking I was Terminator. <laughs> really? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> what, and this is... Um, I know you know this, but it's probably a revelation for other people that I never saw Terminator oh. until, like, last year. And I'll just pause a moment for all of the outrage to subside. So, I only saw Terminator last year. I haven't seen Terminator 2. I hear it's pretty good. <laughs> I can't believe this. I don't know how this happened. It's, it's vile. It what really is, he... is. It's foul. <laughs> so, no wonder you don't get the Terminator references because, you know, you've only seen the movie, you know, once. Once. And, oh. On my computer. I didn't even make an event of it and watch it on a big screen. Really disappointed in you. Computer, headphones. It was okay. Yeah, watch Terminator 2. It's the better one. Yeah, everyone was telling me to watch that first, but I just couldn't get past the whole... No, I can't watch Terminator watch, 2 don't before Don't watch that first. You, you need to watch Terminator first. But Terminator 2 is better. Why, why does he have the red light for an eye again? Where he looks human apart from a red eye. That's like his computer. Pro- it's like his operating software. Like when that red eye thing is like his operating software. It's like yeah. a 1980s version of what a, what a computer. Oh, would it's be. like Hal from um, 2001. That's right. That's exactly how they thought that, that his operating system would be conveying his. That's in some looking and searching. It's very, that's that dates it. But why does it look red? Is it when his eyeball gets ripped no, out or something? That's just how it looks. It just looks for so some just for some reason red. they made the decision to go with red. <laughs> so they just had, he just has to wear sunglasses or something. No, no, his eyes look normal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so his eyes look normal. Yeah. But he has this uh, rouge uh, hue <laughs> as, he, as he looks out. So it's when you see the red eye on posters and stuff, it's just the bit where he's got like half his face ripped that's off right. or something. Yeah. You're right. So it's what's underneath. It's showing that he's a machine. Interesting you'd put, an, put a light there. But remember, machines designed him. 
as well. Oh, right. So, because the machines built the Terminator. That's clever. Did they know they were machines? <laughs> well, they. It's when Skynet develops its artificial intelligence. Yeah. So in would... like 1997. Mm. <laughs> Let's move on. This is this is way too long on robots. It really is. It really dragged <laughs> us out, and we haven't done really anything to do with our podcast so no, far. We'll get there, but nothing um, on the subject of it. Okay. It could be lights in the eye instead of lights <laughs> in the sky because that's so far what we've got. That's um, it's an episode title. It's probably the first time we've come up with a potential episode title while recording. Right. Well done to let's, us. Let's see what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, have you heard of the Russian story from 1959 called the... And I've got to pronounce this. I am. I, I was. You I was thinking about doing this one, but I wasn't sure about getting the pronunciation of the pass or the name. Oh god damn it! But like, I'm glad you did this. So <laughs> it's, it's a very good story, and I'm glad you didn't. You didn't have to. I'm glad I didn't have pronounced the pass or the name. Well, this is just a lead balloon because I'm just gonna. You already know it. You probably know it more than I do. I probably do. Okay, well, what can you tell me about? <laughs> <laughs> well, the past song begins with D. Is it like... Um, Day at Love. Day, Day at Love? Day at Love. So, my understanding of this incident is... Oh, hang on. Let's just... For people who don't know, it's the Day at Love Pass incident in Russia from February 2nd, 1959, where um, a trekking group of Polytech students, um, like university students, um, were trekking through what was then an unnamed pass but then because of what happened is now called the Diet Love Pass because Diet Love was the name of the um, group's leader Igor Diet Love I didn't know that so you've, you've actually I've actually learnt something <laughs> there we go that's, that's one thing there you go alright I think we can uh, do get me some strange and then we're done to <laughs> <Yeah, toodaloo>. lose. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you know about it so I understand that they went missing mm-hmm. um, re- when the searchers eventually found them um, there were some unusual things happening with their bodies yeah right so they weren't all together they were sort of separated I think yeah so um, before yeah rather than spoil the ending then and, and go into detail on that um, I'll just kick in and say, and, and uh, start talking about it, yeah? Well, I'll just do this one this week, and then you can do my one next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, let, let's, let's dive. Let's dive. Let's shallow dive into this one. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so um, a group of, like I said, a group of um, university students uh, went for a trek through um, the Ural Mountains um, in Russia, and... Um, they had established a camp on the slopes of one of the mountains with a name that's Russian when disaster struck Um, during the night something made them tear their way out of their tents from the inside and flee the campsite (laughs) inadequately dressed in heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures Um, the investigators of the incident once they found the place um uh, determined that all six people had died from oh, sorry that six of the victims had died from hypothermia while others showed signs of physical trauma um, so I believe a tongue was missing is that right yeah so getting there um, firstly the thing for me is how do they know how do they know they came from how do they know they had to like um, break out of their tent from the inside. I believe it was like slashed open. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you, um, how you can tell that that was a, a rather someone slashing into the tent rather than slashing out of the tent. Yeah. That's a question. Mm. Maybe they're just assuming that they've had to flee and they've got out of the tent. So instead of, um, you know, when your zipper gets stuck and you really need to go to the bathroom <laughs> and you just pull down your pants instead. <laughs> I guess it's similar. <laughs> okay. I wondered if it was like um, there's two layers to the tent and if the inside layer had a bigger slash than the outside layer. That's possible too. Mm. That's, yeah. That's how I'd know if it was me. It should be a Russian. Um, so uh, one victim had a fractured skull while another had brain damage but without any sign of distress to the skull. Um, additionally, a female team member had her tongue and eyes missing. Nasty. <laughs> the investigation team concluded that an unknown compelling force had caused the deaths. 
Access to the region was consequently closed to amateur hikers and expeditions for three years after the incident. Um, And uh, the chronology of events remains uncertain due to the lack of survivors. However, several explanations have been put forward as to the cause. Um, Some of these explanations include animal attack, hypothermia, avalanche, infrasound-induced panic. You know what that is? Um, is that when you like it's sort of in a, in a I guess attack by some sort of sound wave that maybe make you go a bit loop loop? Yeah, so um, it's actually something that came up way back when I was looking into harp for episode one. Sounds like a harp. Um, it was like if you play like an electrical sound um, or like a, a low hum, I guess, um, to people for a long period of time people go kind of crazy like a full-on cabin feverish thing where um yeah they start sort of thinking illogical illogically and getting antsy and other scientific terms like antsy antsy (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um they're wondering if um one of these kind of things uh was to blame as well where it's like that um so where would it have come from just the yeah it doesn't mention it was on on purpose do you think it was potential or they just were in an area where maybe something was being tested or yeah i don't know Uh, i mean you're 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 telling me the explanation here and so far all you're giving me is theories well the investigators didn't know either have you not solved this (laughs) i forgot we were meant to solve it yeah well this week we were going to solve only this week we're going to solve this mystery (laughs) all right remember we talked about this mr memo yeah um others uh suspect military involvement um so before leaving diet love had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to viz high it was expected that this would happen no later than february 12th but um uh, but Diet Love had told Yudin before his departure from the group that he expected to be longer. When the twelfth pa- when the twelfth passed and no message had been received, there was no immediate reaction as delays of a few days were common in such expeditions. It wasn't until relatives of the travellers demanded a rescue operation on the twentieth of February that the head of the institute sent the uh, rescue groups. Later, the Alar- the army and uh, <laughs> army, you got all these Russian words and army tripped you up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the army and military forces became involved with planes and helicopters being ordered to join the rescue operation on the 26th of February the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent um, the campsite baffled the search party Uh, The student who found the tent said that the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all of the belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said the tent had been cut open from the inside. Eight or nine sets of footprints left by the people who were wearing only socks, a single... um, a single shoe or were even barefoot could be followed. So there we go. So there you go. If you knew it was, I was talking back to a conversation off air before. Mm. I wouldn't be wearing socks. I don't like wearing socks. <laughs> I would have been a be- I would have been one of those barefoot ones. <laughs> even so, in the cold, I don't like wearing socks. Just to catch everyone up, is um, there? There was an occasion where you had to remove somebody's socks for them before yes. sliding into bed yes. <laughs> and you said that it happened with great difficulty well it's hard taking other, some, other, someone else's socks off yeah you need cooperation right well you, you do yeah because they've got to flex their foot in a certain way otherwise it's it's on there I almost cut it off from the inside ankle sock um no really usually you got a bit more purchase with a non-ankle sock you still struggled Maybe, maybe. Ankle sock would be easy. You just need to go whip. <laughs> you got to do the whole angle. You got to work this right angle thing here. The other sock. What do you do? What was that noise again? <laughs> it's taking off my ankle sock. Yeah, good. I accidentally um, washed my a pair of ankle socks with my towels this week. Didn't realise they were in there. They're a bit fluffy now. It's um, <laughs> the family of these people who are killed <laughs> probably um, probably thought. Um, a conversation like that wouldn't exist in between retelling their story. I, I, don't get me wrong, I feel sorry for them, but also think of me suffering with defluffing my ankle socks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a cruel, cruel world, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. I hear that there's stories of disaster on the podcast, and then I have ankle sock problems. And... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, maybe throw them out. Okay. Um, the footsteps uh, led down towards the edge of a nearby wood on the opposite side of the pass. 1.5 kilometers, which is 0.93 miles, just Good under conversion. a mile to the northeast. Good conversion there. Um, yep, yeah, it was all me. Um, oh, just, just on the system breakaway again, when I was flying the other day, the pilot came on and said, right, uh, we're 120 nautical miles to run to Auckland. Like, why are you saying that? Why are you saying nautical miles? No one understands this. Like, normally it's like, oh, a couple hundred K to go. But there, yeah, 120 nautical miles left. Shut up. Shut up and either give it in miles or kilometres, please. Moving on. It's really annoying me. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so they followed the um, the here's another one for you they followed the um, footsteps for 500 metres I believe that's around um, half a nautical mile <laughs> I'm just looking it out these <laughs> tracks were covered with snow at the forest edge under a large cedar the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire along with the first two bodies Um. They were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. The branches on the tree were broken up to five metres high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed to look for something, perhaps look for the camp. Between the cedar and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses who seemed to have died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found separately at distances of 300, 480 and 630 metres from the tree. How many nautical miles is that? So 680, are you saying? Yep, 600, sorry, 630. 630. Metres. 630 metres equals 0.340173 nautical miles. There you go, in case anyone needed that information. Um, searching for the remaining four travellers took... Who took nautical miles? <laughs> so weird. <laughs> you just did. Yeah, you can just, it highlights the fact that nautical miles are stupid. <laughs> Searching for the remaining four travellers took... I like that we we mentioned that we know we've got listeners from America. We just mentioned the distances in metres and nautical miles. It's <laughs> well, really useful. Well, because... Uh, yeah. <laughs> One metre is 0.00053995 nautical miles. It's ridiculous. You sound like the number station on the start of the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll carry on Um, so they found some of the bodies obviously they were crawling back to the tent another two were huddled around a small fire um, in only their underwear Um, socks on or off uh, a combination socks on or off (laughs) combination some bare feet some one shoe anyway um, I'm just going to the one shoe on when the other shoe was off the remaining yeah well I don't think it's a fashion parade you're just trying to Mm, fair enough Searching for the remaining four travellers look took more than two months. Right? How many is that? How many months is that in nautical, nautical miles? miles. <laughs> nautical so, months. Hang on. So one mile is point eight six eight nine seven six nautical miles. It's all just numbers. It is it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, searching for the remaining four travellers took more than two months. They were finally found on the fourth of May, Star Wars Day, May the fourth. Ah. Under four meters of snow. In oh, look at how many nautical miles that is. <laughs> four meters is zero point zero zero two one five nine eight three nautical miles okay. of snow. <laughs> so, long story short, um, um, these remain remaining um, bodies were found on the 4th of May under 4 metres of snow in a ravine 75 metres further into the woods from the cedar tree. Do you want me to keep doing these nautical mile conversions? Is this bit doing anything for you? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, these four were better dressed than the others and there were signs that those who had died first apparently relinquished their clothing to the others. Alright. It's like they better dressed like they were like the other ones were slobs where these were these gentrified survivors or yeah. gentrified deceased. Wearing their warmest tuxedos. <laughs> Sipping a glass of port. <laughs> um, another notable find besides the four remaining hikers was a camera around um, Zolotaryov's neck. The camera was not reported as having been part of the equipment. Also, the film in the camera was reported to have been damaged by water. So, kind of a non-event. Um, so that's one account of it. There's another kind of slightly more 
dramatic um, retelling of it that I'm just going to spin through. Um, Haunting photos from the film and their cameras show the happy and relaxed faces of good friends on an exhilarating adventure. Capturing so this the, one's saying the camera did actually have film you could look at. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, and actually shows the photos. So <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, capturing their journey by train, road, and on foot into this desolate area. Um, the f- uh, and I'll skip to the juicy stuff. The first bodies, frostbitten and frozen stiff, were discovered lying in the snow on flatland near a river a mile from the tent, next to the remains of a long burnt-out fire. So that marries up with what we've already um, what we already know. Around 350 yards away lay the corpses of. Um, uh, four more nearby a dog search a search dog sniffed out the remains of a 22 year old under four inches of snow um then that of i'm skipping saying all of their names because i just i'll just butcher them yeah um the bodies were in a line 200 yards apart as if they've been trying to crawl behind each other back to the shelter of the tent but never made it um some of the group had broken bones and terrible internal injuries, injuries, but strangely no external wounds, not even scratches on their skin. Ah. So that's where things start getting really weird. It's like um, previous to this, potentially it's just a, a hysteria event where people have gone crazy and um, you know tried to um, tried to go and warm up by a fire or something like that. Um, then they find four meters under some other snow. Like it could be like you know, someone did a stinky fart in the tent and they had to cut their way out and they had to go sit by a fire. That's what it's normally like until you start seeing the fact that you know that probably doesn't work. Always classy. And then um, stranger still, odd bits of their clothing contained higher than normal levels of radiation. Ah. So things get a little bit paranormal when you start thinking of broken bones with no abrasions on the skin and, and radiation. Activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-mortem examinations of all nine bodies threw up a string of bewildering anomalies uh, why were some fully clothed but uh, but others nearly naked most disconcerting of all uh, was one body which was missing her tongue and eyes um, a the official Soviet investigator uh, what's his name let's say an official (laughs) an official Soviet investigator could find no answers Um, Lev Ivanov wasn't too bad not bad not bad he concluded in his hastily composed report that all nine deaths had been caused by what he described as an unknown elemental force which which they were unable to overcome privately he told people he thought they'd likely been killed by aliens in a UFO Jesus and there's um, another incorrect use of UFO UFO means it's an object you can't identify, not a flying source. No. Yeah. You just think there was some sort of alien transportation yep. device. Exactly. Um, that's where the official investigations ended. Um, the case was closed and access to the entire area was sealed off from prying eyes for the next four years, by which time authorities believed this incident would have disappeared off the radar as many strange happenings did in the old Soviet Empire. Um... So, um, some there's a handy little list of bullet points um, here. So, some of the journalists reporting on um, parts of the inquest files claim that the the files state that six of the group members died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. There were no indications of other people nearby, <coughs> apart from the travellers. The tent had been ripped from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed all group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot, so they had all the footsteps leaving, Yes, which is interesting. Um, to dispel the theory of an attack by the indigenous people of the area, um, the, uh, one of the doctors stated that the fatal injuries of the three bodies could not have been caused by another human being because of the force of the blows, because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. So these people have got injuries inside their body, but not outside. No. So obviously, if you're going to sort of have an internal injury, normally there's a like sign on the surface that that has occurred. In this case, nothing is prevalent or evident. Mm-hmm. Prevalent or evident, evident <laughs> is what I meant to say. And yeah, uh, based on there were no survivors, um, there's really kind of no answer. It's still kind of an unexplained mystery. Um, 
the Diet Love Pass has a memorial to all of the uh, the nine people in the party, um, and is now called the Diet Love Pass. That's it. Do you think it's in Mysteries of the Unexplained? The book? Yeah. Are you segueing? Well, I'm just wondering because you hear it said it was an unexplained mystery, and I'm wondering whether it could be in Mysteries it of the Unexplained. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Worth looking at. Yep. Uh, so far, not. The thing is, yeah. the thing with it is, um, you don't know where to categorize it, and I'll no, have the same when, problem when I go to put it up on our website. When you said, yeah, when you said that earlier, when I said what you're, you know, asked if it was a ghost one again, it's definitely not a ghost one. No. But it's unknown. Yeah. So it's it's a bit like, um, what did you put the brown mountain lights under? Uh, UFO. UFO. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No. It was a UFO. It's a possible one. It's I guess it's an identified flying light. object. Well, the light was something. I guess you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that UFO one a, you said wasn't a UFO. It wasn't one. a UFO. I it still totally maintain was. it's not. <clears throat> um, but I can see how people may come to that opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. So this one is not ghost. It's not necessarily UFO. Well, it's not UFO. It's not necessarily alien. Yeti it's attack? Not, Yeti? Yeti attack? That's another one Yeti? that... Um, Yeti attack? ...that people throw out there. Yeti um, attack? Bear attack is another one, but cryptozoologic, cryptozoological encounter yeah. is probably most fitting, but you just don't know. There's no evidence. It could be a military thing. It could be a, um, an alien thing. It could be a Yeti thing. I wonder Apparently if- a Russian Yeti is called a mink. M-E-N-K um, and if you look at the Wikipedia page for a mink it talks about this um, do it love pass incident how do you spell it? M-E-N-K no the pass <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was, I was just thinking I did spell it um, D-Y-A-T-L-O-V yeah. so I'm just looking uh, at the back of uh, this book and there is uh, Mysteries no, of the Unexplained yeah, book there's no mention of it, it may, I don't know whether did the story not leak out until later maybe did it not leak out until maybe post the collapse of the Soviet Union or I'm not sure because I guess this book is from the 80s and the Soviets were still going um, hardcore yeah. back then yeah well they had the past closed for four years so maybe it just didn't um, rear its head until people started looking after that um, after the the so, Ruskies yeah, started so, I mean, yeah, opening up until the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 1990s yeah. and maybe that's when the story came out finally mm. and so, um, it's a bit yeah, a bit late for Mysteries of the Unexplained for the 19, 1982 or something <laughs> yep yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> missed the boat on that one but the, the other thing I was going to say is um, if you're looking for it in the book Again, you don't know what category. Because that's, that's what I was going to see if it was in the book. Because and looking in the back of the book to see if it was in here, mm. it was in here. See whether it categorized it. Yeah, right. Yeah, might have helped us. But it wasn't. It wasn't a fat lot of use. You are mysteries in that one. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I'm starting to the ground. I got to pick it back up again. Yep. Um, just in time for our next segment. You um, know you could do with some strange. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe get me some and we'll see. All right. So the way this works is I um, perform favors for my co-host, <laughs> and he does the same for me, um, and we get each other a little bit strange, and yeah, we, 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 we tell you about it too, and you get to share in our pleasure. Okay, so to jump back into the driving seat here, um, <laughs> and let people actually know what we're doing, we've got the I book... I think I explained it pretty well. No, you didn't. We've got the book, um, 1982 edition of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks to Christopher and Katie. <laughs> yep. Um, there's some markings in the front of it when we got it. When I got it at a... Um, to Daddy. Happy Father's Day. Lots of love. Christopher and Katie. Daddy, we got you this book, Daddy. So what we do is we take that book. Um, Tony, this week, will flick through it. I'll tell him when to stop, and we'll pick a... Uh, random mystery of the unexplained to read out hence getting me some strange mm-hmm. <laughs> alright right. shall we dive into this hang on gotta start the music ok let's go ok ok here we go and flicking stop the Diet Love Pass incident no <laughs> <laughs> What do we got? What section are we in? So, is this, a, is this one of these really random? 
I mean, it's quite hit and miss. This looks like it could be something about disappearances, because I can I see disappearances. Oh, that's fitting. Well, yeah, ish. Uh, oh, so we'll keep going back. Sorry about this, everyone. Just need to go back in time a little bit. Yeah, that, you just went yeah. Appearances and disappearances. Yeah, you were right. Okay. So, um, appearances. Right. That intrigues me. Yeah, so just... people are appearing. Anyway, what's uh, is there a nice tidbit-sized one there, or are the, we in the uh, middle of a six-pager? Uh, so I think as a caveat to making this random, we <laughs> we need to make sure we're not completely missing every time because it's turning out to be we land in the middle of a six-page thing and we're not going to read the whole lot. So anywhere around that page, I reckon. Yeah, good. I think that's probably a because um... there's lots of them in there that are like just a small, not even half-page article, and then there's others that go for like ten or twelve pages. So I reckon just skip to one that. Um, it looks like it's going to fit the brief. It's a nice wee taster for everyone well, to. There's a there's a on. there's one right here on the Bermuda Triangle. So it's probably a let's do it. It's probably a good one to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the law of the Bermuda Triangle, the area east of Florida where ships and planes are said to disappear in numbers too large to be happenstance, grew from a loss of Flight 19 on December 5, 1945. Thanks for my birthday. Is that how early the Bermuda Triangle stuff yeah. goes back to? Is, yeah. it's, I thought it was earlier than that. I suppose there wasn't well, a lot might, of air travel before. Well, yeah, well, there might be other ships and stuff. Oh, ships, um, of course, yeah. yeah. Five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers took off from Fort Lauderdale on a 320-mile, and I can do a nautical mile conversion shortly for us, navigation training exercise that should have taken them east, then north over Grand Bahama Island, then southwest back to base. Leading Flight 19 was Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor, one of two experienced crewmen aboard the planes. 278 nautical miles. Thank you. One of two experienced crewmen aboard the planes. I've read that before. (laughs) One more time. One of two experienced crewmen aboard the planes. The 12 other pilots, radiomen and gunners, were all students in training. So a bit of a recce student exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the two experienced crewmen aboard the planes. Less than two hours after the 2.10pm takeoff, radio messages indicated that Taylor had become disorientated. And this is quoting Taylor, Both my compasses are out. I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys. I assume that's the Florida Keys. But I don't know how far down, and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. In fact, anything like the planned course should have put Flight 19 near Great Sail K, 200 miles southeast of the Florida Keys. So, yeah, okay, should have been anywhere near there. Mm-hmm. Um, for the next two hours, radio messages and radio contacts revealed Flight 19 uh, flew chiefly north and east of the apparent belief that it was over the Gulf of Mexico and would soon encounter the west coast of Florida. One of the last transmissions from Taylor announced, All planes close up tight. We will have to ditch unless landfall. When the first man gets down to 10 gallons, we will all land in the water together. One flying boat set out from Miami to search for the presumably ditched airmen, but had to turn back when its antenna iced over. Another took off from the Banana River Naval Air Station. Half an hour later, a tanker observed a burst of flames and investigated a patch of oil and debris where the flying boat must have crashed. Must the flying boat crashed as well. Mm. Jeez. As for Flight 19, a five-day search of 250,000 square miles of ocean failed to discover any trace of it. Over the years, exaggeration and legend have made the story of Flight 19 even more puzzling than it was, embellishing it with hints of UFOs and alleged radio messages such as, even the ocean doesn't look like it should, and don't come after me, it looks like... <laughs> looks like... Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Still, there are questions at the core that even the 400-page naval inquiry record could not answer. Why did both of Taylor's compasses fail shortly after they were checked out in the pre-flight inspection? Even though the northernmost Bahamas look much like the Florida Keys from the air, how did the airmen become convinced that the first leg of their flight had taken them so far south rather than east? Mm. All the evidence points to the conclusion that Flight 19 ran out of fuel and its crews were unable to get into rafts before the ditch planes sank in rough water. But the evidence does not explain how their planned two-hour training flight became a wandering five-hour journey to nowhere. 
Mm. Interesting. I remember being on the uh, Bermuda Triangle ride at SeaWorld and Goldie <laughs> oh on the Goldie, and they had a they had a um, like a volcano that you somehow go through on this little boat thing, and so inside this is the Gold Coast of Australia, yeah, and inside it you see the planes of Flight 19 and like aliens touching the planes. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never thought of Bermuda Triangle as being alien. I don't know why. Yeah, I, one kind of. I guess like one potential theory I've heard is that it may be like a portal to some other mm. a dimension or a, a, a way of travelling over long, you know, tra- traversing great distances. Mm-hmm. The idea of USOs, unidentified USOs. submerged objects. Oh yeah, yeah. UFOs that go into the sea for a swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Interesting. All right then, um, that probably just about brings us to the end of another week. Just want to say I don't condone SeaWorld's actions, but I think the Gold Coast one is much better than the one in the States. <laughs> I think they actually, they're really about the animals they have there. Although they play with dolphins in, in front of you. I have no idea. I've never been to any of them. Disgusting. Me? No, SeaWorld. <laughs> um, I think they do a lot of like marine rescue. Yeah. But maybe the SeaWorld in the States does that too, and it's just because they hit big whales in captivity, which is mean. Yeah. I know SeaWorld They're not doing it anymore, though. No, they don't. SeaWorld on the Gold doesn't do that. Mm. We booed SeaWorld when we drove past it. Did we? Yeah. I don't remember seeing it. You did. We went down in, in San Diego. San Diego, yeah. Uh. We were past it. Uh. Close. I almost went there. You booed it. <laughs> All right, then, um, I think that's us for another week. Everyone needs to appreciate how lucky they are to get such an episode because mm. you're about to go on... A trip. A trip away, holiday. Yes, I'm meeting... For the weekend. I'm meeting my partner's family, <laughs> which awesome. is awkward. They're small-town folks, <laughs> yeah. and um, I... What you want to do? What you want to do is um, to make the best impression is tell them you have a paranormal podcast. I yeah, think. that's going to go down well because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm already weird enough that I'm a vegetarian and they don't know what to feed me. Exactly. He's going to starve all weekend. <laughs> What's he going to eat? <laughs> right. Right. Let's leave it there. Oh God, no! What if they? What if we play this? What if they decide want to? They play this podcast at some point because they want to hear about my like, story and they choose episode seven and I'm now ripping on them. <laughs> Um, toodaloo (laughs) (laughs) toodaloo alright on that note we'll see you well you'll hear us next week hopefully Um, as always uh, follow us on twitter at lits underscore podcast um, or go to our website lightsintheskypodcast.com I'm going to change the contact page to a one that says submit your story. So that's... Because um, I've had um, two or three people want to submit their story. And um, what better place to go than it's somewhere a, where it says yeah, submit your story. We want to hear about these real life experiences. Mm-hmm. These, uh, yeah, tell us. Cool. Tell us more about yourselves and your spookiness. <laughs> All right. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, this is the end. <laughs> On that note, catch you later. Hello.